0: this is real estate rookie episode 199er
1: if they've like if you've been posting for a year consistently they're gonna they, and somebody's been following you from the first post and it feels like even if you don't know they're watching they've been building a relationship with you just in their head so when they meet you they already feel like they know you even if you don't know them so it's kind of like you just, at, that, at that point you just have to develop the relationship so that you understand who they are but the hard work has been done because they already
2: trust you.
0: My name is Ashley Kerr, and I am here with my co-host, Tony Robinson.
2: And welcome to the Real Estate Ricky podcast, where our favorite movie and the only movie we watch is Tommy Boy, (laughs) but we also give you really good information on real estate investing, whether that's the inspiration, the information, and the education you need to kickstart your journey. Well, we got a we got a really good podcast lineup for today, right? Um, you know, one of my one of my favorite things to talk about is like social media, building your platform, because I really believe that if you want to scale to a, a, a big level, at a certain point, you're going to need a, a big enough platform to find the right people to partner with. It could be private money, it could be equity investors, could be deal finders, could be construction crews, like whatever you need. If you have a big enough platform, you can go out there and find it. And today we've got Kerwin Donis, who joined us before Uh, him and his brothers were back on episode 173, Uh, his brother Jeffrey was on episode 193, but now Kerwin joins us today to talk about how in their early 20s, uh, they've been able to amass over 600 units, and a big part of that is because of the platform they were able to build.
0: Yeah, I think this is great for anybody that's not even investing yet or is just starting out, just starting some kind of platform to share your story. And we had a uh, Lily Thompson too on the podcast mm-hmm. where she started her YouTube channel, just talking about what she was doing, what was going well, what wasn't, what wasn't working well. And now she's become this expert investor, you know, sharing what she's still doing, but also teaching people and helping other people get started in real estate. So Building your platform now is almost, it seems almost as important as building your systems and processes early on (laughs) in your business too.
2: Yeah. So you guys are definitely in for a solid show today. Uh, But before we bring him on, I just want to give a quick shout out. Uh, to one of our, our recent reviews on uh, on Apple Podcasts. So this one comes from Zicd, D. Uh, and ZIC says, informative and fun to listen to. This is now one of my favorite BP podcasts along with on the market. Keep them coming. So Zicd, D, we appreciate you. Uh, and if you haven't left an honest rating review for the Ricky Podcast yet, please, please, please do. Um, every new review helps us reach new people. And our goal is to help and inspire as many new investors as we can.
0: You're so uh, kind by saying an honest review. Just say that we're <laughs> super great. at your favorite podcast episode
3: <laughs> Five-star reviews only.
0: <laughs>
3: Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with DealMachine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at DealMachine.com. Rookies, 2024 is
2: the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Head over to corporatedirect.com/biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention real estate rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com/biggerpockets.
4: This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you wanna try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: Kerwin, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: So you were on episode 173 with your brothers and we brought each of you guys back on and we're releasing one episode with each of you. So today, what are you going to, you know, dive deep with us on?
1: Yeah, we're going to talk about content, creating uh, content, having a funnel and the importance of doing that, especially if you want to raise capital and just build a brand in the real estate space.
0: So. Why are you the one here talking to us yeah. about that today? And before we get into that, actually, if anyone you know wants to learn more about you, please go back to episode one seventy three, and you can kind of get the history of how Kerwin started with his brothers and what they've done so far. And we'll really dive into uh, content creation today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm actually I love writing, and I've always liked storytelling, uh, reading books, watching movies, things like that. So a lot of content creating and, and doing and. And creating content on social media, it really ties to developing an emotional connection to the person you're trying to reach, because a lot of times that's the best way to connect with them and and have them take away something from the content that you're making. Um, So I just, I have a natural inclination to like storytelling and and things like that. And so that has correlated with my role as the host of the podcast and the person creating our content, writing our blogs, uh, writing our, our emails and things like that.
2: Kern, before we go too far, can you just, I know we already talked about your backstory in 173, but for those that didn't hear that episode, uh, just give us a quick snapshot of where you and your brothers are at today in your business.
1: Yeah, so we're three brothers. Um, I'm 20 and I'm an apartment syndicator and investor. Um, We've been a part of three multifamily syndications. We have about uh, over 600 plus units that we're partnered on and we're currently looking to take down our first uh, lead acquisition
2: as well. That's amazing. Right. <laughs> like that is absolutely amazing. And I have a slight hunch that your ability to market and build this platform for yourselves has played a pretty big role in that, which is why I'm super, super excited. You know, Ash and I both are excited to, to kind of chat with you today. Um, so, yeah, like you said, Karen, you and your brothers, each of you, each of you runs like a different role and, and you're all about the platform building. So let, let's kind of let's kind of dive into it. So I think the first point I want to hit, you just mentioned it. You're, you're 20 years old um, which is crazy, right? Um, but you, you've got this platform about real estate investing and I know people in their thirties and their forties and their fifties who feel that they're not experienced enough to talk about real estate investing, um, and, and kind of be like the, the source of information for other people. Do you feel that that's true? Um, or, or I guess, why hasn't that stopped you guys from going out and building your own platform?
1: Yeah. Well, when we were first starting, it was really just documenting our journey. Uh, we wanted to show people what we were doing and and it was almost like a form of accountability. Max Maxwell, he said that he also can, uh, he did that when he was starting out, he was just documenting his journey as he was learning stuff. He would explain to it, uh, explain what it was to his audience. And so that's kind of how we started out. And when it came to the podcast, that was a big limiting belief for myself because I didn't think I was experienced enough to be interviewing people that were you know, thought leaders and experts in that space. But really, I just saw it as, you know, I could have these really smart people on my show
2: and I didn't have to have the answers because they did. So current, just give us like a quick overview of what all of your different platforms look like. Like, where are you guys at? Where are you pushing content out at?
1: Yeah, so we're on, uh, we're on Instagram. We have almost 12,000 followers on Instagram. Uh, we're on TikTok. I'm not exactly sure how many followers we have there, but I'm pretty sure it's more. Uh, I want to say 50, 50, upwards of 50,000 on that platform. And we're also on LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, we, we sometimes post on Twitter, but we're mainly big on Instagram. And uh, we also have a podcast and that's available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And we also have an email list.
0: So how do you manage all of these platforms? Are you kind of taking the same content and recreating it?
1: Yeah, so for a long time, we were creating unique content for each platform. And uh, one, one of the big takeaways that has been a learning lesson for us has been just a trial and error and learn as you go because no one's, we didn't have like a social media or content mentor who could help us. Um, but we quickly realized that it wasn't scalable to be on every single platform that we were on and create unique content for each platform. So now what we're focusing on doing is creating one video, for example, Jeff and I will sit around and talk about inflation or something like that. And really, you know, we just do some research beforehand and then we record that video and I'll repurpose it for reels, TikToks, a YouTube video, and I'll make it a podcast episode. So it's just about creating one piece of content that leads with value, and then you can kind of repurpose it for all the platforms you want to be on.
0: So you didn't go to school, or you weren't you know, trained to be a social media content creator, or even to start a podcast. If someone here listening wants to start their own podcast, how can they actually do that? I mean, I don't think even Tony and I have the concept of how pod- well I guess Tony does because he did his own I don't have any idea of how to start my own podcast I guess
1: yeah well we went to YouTube University and we learned a lot there um and we just really just did some research and at the end of the day it was uh, most of the followers and sorry the influencers that we were learning from they just said to start putting out content it's not going to be perfect but you have to get over that initial bump of thinking, you know, everything you have to put out has to be perfect because that's the best way you're going to learn. And also, you might think it's perfect, but then your audience is going to have a different reaction to it. So, And that's what your, the end goal should be, to build your community. And so that's why we were really focused on just putting out content, kind of seeing what people were responding to, and then continuing. And really, the key was to be consistently putting out content.
0: Kerwin, what about the back end of stuff? That's, I guess, what I would be confused about. And, I, you know, how do... It, How does even someone find out how to even create a Twitter account or, you know, if someone is older and wasn't, you know, didn't grow up in the age of social media, what are some resources that people can look for and use if they want to start, you know, building their own platforms as to how to actually start those platforms?
1: Yeah, just to kind of reiterate it, I would just honestly start by looking it up and uh, you can do some research. It doesn't take that long to really find great uh, videos on that and it can walk you through it if you're more of a visual learner. There's also a ton of blogs that we used. Um, I, I read a ton of blogs and I did my research and I also, a great example would be just to listen to other podcasts and see what you like and, and the kind of podcasts you like might be a good indication of what you might want mm-hmm. to create. Um, and so that's kind of what we did when we were first starting out. And in terms of the back end stuff, uh, I... I I, I am a little bit you know uh, privileged in the way that I grew up with social media and all of these things so it kind of came as, as more of a second nature and I was already using these platforms when I decided to kind of tweak my my use of it from becoming from being a consumer of the content to being a creator of the content but I will say if you don't if you have anybody in your life who might be younger you can ask them if you have your kids I'm sure they're savvy when it comes to that kind of thing if you don't you can just post on a forum online bigger pockets could probably help you out if you go to online at bigger pockets or honestly just connecting with young people in a, an online community or uh, even YouTube. A lot of influencers create content like that. And they also want to create a community. So if you comment a question, they're more likely to want to respond.
2: So, Ash, I just want to follow up on your point about like how to actually put the podcast together. Um, so there's a guy, his name is Pat Flynn, P-A-T-F-L-Y-N-N. Uh, he runs a digital marketing website called Smart Passive Income. And when I look to launch my first podcast, he has like a free like multiple video length playlist on YouTube about the exact steps you need to follow from a technical standpoint to get your podcast set up. Um, so if anyone out there is thinking about starting a podcast, I would highly recommend that. I think he has like some paid stuff that you can do this like more in depth. But for me, when I launched my podcast, I literally used the free videos that he had online. Um, Curran, going back to, to, to one of the points you made about um, kind of picking a style that that resonates with you. Uh, so a lot of the listeners, you guys may know that I have my own podcast before I joined Picker Pockets and it was called Your First Real Estate Investment. And I did exactly what you what you just said, Kern, where I thought about, okay, what is the type of content that me as a new investor that I would want to consume? And I was like, man, it'd be really cool just to hear about how people got started because there's a lot of podcasts that, that you know talk to really successful investors, but they always kind of breezed over the beginning portion of that journey. So for me, there was like a very emotional, you know, strong emotional connection to that first part. So I said, let me just interview people about their very first deal. And I didn't have to be an expert to do that. Right. I was able mm. to be honest and, and open with people to say, Hey, I'm a new investor myself. I'm going on this journey of educating and I want to take you along with me. And I was able to connect with so many people because of that. So I, I think that's a really, really important point Karen about, picking a, a niche that, that kind of speaks to you. So just, I don't even think we've talked about it. Like, what, like what is your podcast about? Like, what, what was the angle that you guys took that, that made it resonate with you?
1: Yeah. So I guess we have one on the third season right now, and I break it up into seasons just because we've been experimenting, testing, and, and trial and error. Uh, the first one was really just interview-based. We were bringing on people, and we were, I would say, more novice investors at the time. We didn't really know about multifamily, and it was very multifamily-based because we had these people on our show and on the platform. So we wanted to learn as much as we could. So. We were just asking really beginning questions and things like that, and we would dive into how they got started, and then maybe some failures along the way, maybe some takeaways. Uh, what I like to do is I always listen to some podcast interviews they've done in the past just to kind of understand um, what questions I might want to build off of. And then season two was a narrative structure, so I'd go back and add narrations and things like that. Um, but really, getting into the story, my, my, the first step was to entertain my audience, and then after that it was to educate because if people get an emotional connection to, to the, the show and the person that they're listening about, then they're more likely to take away something and And actually remember and retain the information that you're trying to kind of cross the bridge to 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 get to them.
0: on On that platform is the podcast, like the platform, like your say leadership platform, like the platform that you're using as kind of like the one on top, and then the other ones kind of trickle down around that. Or what's your platform where you're really trying to connect with people and really provide value?
1: Yeah, I would say the podcast 100% is the main platform Um, right now. We're Season three, we're interviewing some investors and bringing them on to tell their story and also share some gold nuggets with our audience. Uh, We also repurposed that video and that interview we're starting to now on YouTube. So um, YouTube is also a new platform, but that's just beginning. So really the the core platform for us is our podcast.
0: And do you recommend that that's what everyone use as their core platform or can it kind of differ?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, and that's something that we kind of contemplated what, what platform would be ideal for us. I think it, there's a lot of different factors that can go into it. I do recommend that you pick one platform and then uh, just to really master one platform, and then you can kind of branch off into the other ones. So we started off with the podcast because it's a great way to establish credibility for yourself, and for in our case, we're multifamily investors. But in any space, you know, sometimes I walk into a room and people just know who I am from my podcast or they've seen my um, my, my, my content online. So things like that—that's a benefit of it, but. Um, if you like being on video, maybe YouTube is good. If you don't want to be on video, but you think you have a really good radio voice, then a podcast might be good. If you like making quick, uh, you know, uh, gold nugget content, 10 second content, TikTok or Instagram might be ideal. It just really depends on the kind of person you are.
2: And I, I think you can, you can start with one and then eventually branch out. Like mm-hmm. when, I, when I first, first started like in the world of digital marketing and platform building, I started off with writing. I had a blog because I, I enjoyed I enjoyed writing. Um, and I kind of do have that radio, you know, hey, this is WBBK, FF, <laughs> you know, like I kind of got the radio DJ voice, right? So for me, the podcasting was like the na- next natural progression. And now like you, we're, you know, we're, we have the email list, we have the podcast, we have the YouTube channel, we have Instagram, we have TikTok. And it's, I think picking the one that resonates with you the most to begin with, and then knowing that as you get comfortable and, and, and confident on that platform, you can always branch out later. Uh, but there are still people today that all they do is blog and they've built massive, massive platforms. Like there's still an audience for that, for mm-hmm. that out
0: there. Tony, I'm going to put in my letter of resignation unless you agree to only talk in your DJ voice. <laughs> no, <I'm... laughs>
2: I don't know. I don't know if I can hold that up for a whole 60 minutes. Now, maybe I'll do our intros in my DJ voice from now okay. on. <laughs>
0: Okay. Well, I have something that I want to know is, okay, so we talked about the different platforms that you're using, you know, why it's important to have a core one and you're providing value. Um, but what else are you, where do you, what is the benefit
3: mm-hmm. out
0: of this? Like, how does this correlate with real estate investing specifically? So yeah. when I, I started an Instagram account and I was just sharing my story too, and then it kind of, you know, scaled from there and turned into education. But what are your suggestions as the best way to tie into your real estate investing and how has that actually provided value to you as an investor?
1: Yeah. So it depends on the kind of investing you're doing. I can talk about how it's worked for me and how some of my friends who are also in. So for me, I'm a multifamily investor. Uh, we are aiming to obviously, you know, raise capital, and we're also aiming to just build our thought leadership platform, so that if people want to look us up and see if we're credible, they can do that. So it does provide instant credibility when somebody wants to look me up online. They can see that I'm very present. I talk about what I, what, you know, I, I actually practice what I preach, and I'm somewhat knowledgeable. You know, <laughs> I like to think so. Um, knowledge in this space. Um, also, you know, like I said, we find potential investors and we connect with people online. Um, I have a friend who's a whole, who came from a wholesaling background and he is able to find wholesale leads through Instagram and he generates wholesale leads um, in his DMs and people reach out to him. So you can generate leads if you're looking for property leads. I've also been able to build my network that way. So uh, I've met realtors this way. I've met people that uh, were able to deal source, partners, equity partners. There's just different forms of value you can get I think you have to be intentional with what you're looking for but of course you know also lead with value and don't really expect something in return when you're making the content just kind of keep an eye out and and I think you know when people reach out you can kind of understand how they might be able to bring you value or how they can bring someone in your network value and you can make that connection and that's something that we've also done
2: as well. So Ash, I, before we move on, I just want to point out, so like we both have a mutual friend. His name is Derek Acuff. He was on episode 103 of the Ricky podcast, and he's got a, a pretty big following both on Instagram and TikTok, but he says he consistently gets off-market deals from his Instagram profile. So like if you're looking for a way to source good deals in today's market, imagine having 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, 100,000 followers that, you know, all are out there looking for potential deals for you. So there's a big benefit there. And, you know, like I, I think the there's, there's like a caveat here, right? Cause I think the, the platform depends on what your goals are. If your goal is to buy one single family house every year, you can probably do that by yourself, right? Like, you know, if, if you're working hard, saving money, collecting your cash flow, stacking it up, you can probably buy one single family house a year. If your goal is to, you know, syndicate apartment complexes, right? Or maybe buy 12 houses this year, that most people can't do by themselves. like I, I've shared on the podcast before that our, our old goal was to get to a thousand short-term rental going uh, a thousand short-term rental units. Our new goal is to get to one billion dollars worth of short-term rentals. There is no way on earth that I could get to $1 billion with the short-term rentals by myself, right? Like there has to be some level of working with other people. And when you have a platform that's big enough and you can get people to know you, to like you and trust you, um, it it becomes a little bit easier to kind of find the right people to connect with. So, I mean, I'm assuming, uh, current that for a lot of those syndications you guys have done, a lot of those funds have come from your, your platform.
1: Yeah, and absolutely. And I think maybe more relevant to your audience might be somebody who might be looking for like a private lender for a single family property. I know that that's that's very common in a lot of people on social media. You can just connect with someone on Instagram and they might be looking to private lend and you can make that connection just by producing content and maybe documenting a flip you've done and things like that. So, you know, it's just small things and you don't necessarily understand how it might generate some kind of lead right then or some kind of value to yourself but if you're just providing that 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 online people you know more than what other people do that are looking at your content and they might want to learn more and over time they, they might understand that private lending is an option for them and then once you guys build that relationship they might learn to know like and trust you and people invest with people they know like and trust and you kind of did that one-sidedly just by putting out content
0: isn't that kind of crazy how that know, like and trust is based off of you on social media Mm -hmm. and what you post and the content you create and how many likes you have and how many followers Mm -hmm. you have. I mean I think that is just like crazy, but it's true. People are if someone's out there putting out like they need an investor and this person has, you know, a hundred thousand followers, lots of likes, they're always talking about the deals they're doing, how successful they are. Then there's another person, maybe 250 followers. They post a couple of their kids, they post like pretty pictures, but nothing really about real estate investing, don't have a ton of likes, a ton of followers. And then they ask, you know, they need money to uh, do a deal. Who do you think people are more willing to invest with? They're going to go with the person who has a hundred thousand followers and shows all of their stuff online. And actually we should probably, we could do this as an experiment one time is like, pick some random, hobby or something and like pretend we are an expert on it and on social media and create content like we do for real estate investing and see if we can build some kind of following and, you know, Mm -hmm. become credible at this fake hobby we have or something. (laughs) But but it's so true. And that's Mm -hmm. why it's worth putting in the effort, the energy because you do become credible people trust you they like you and you know i share a lot of like my family and personal stuff i have going on in my instagram stories too so people feel like they know me and it's not just you know content i, I yeah. am pushing out as real estate strategy too and-
1: to build off of that, I think it's also if they've like, if you've been posting for a year consistently, they're going to, and somebody has been following you from the first post, then it feels like even if you don't know they're watching, they've been building a relationship with you just in their head. And so when they meet you, they already feel like they know you, even if you don't know them. So it's kind of like you just, at at that point, you just have to develop the relationship so that you understand who they are. But the hard work has been done because they already trust you.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, like we just, we just finished up the rookie bootcamp week and went like two weeks ago, actually. And I had so many people that came up to me joking about the house in Shreveport, like so many people, right? You know, and it's like, it's, it's been this running joke for, since I came on the show. So it's, it's that's the power of, uh, of, uh, kind of sharing your story. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about the actual kind of content that you guys are putting out. So I know you guys have the, you, you have the podcast, you're interviewing guests, you have this narrative piece as well, but, um, if I'm not mistaken, you guys kind of have like some core values that you work into your content as well. So can you walk us through what those are?
1: Yeah. So every single piece, we try to get some kind of value to our audience. So whether that's entertaining them or educating them or inspiring them, um, things like that, we are big in fitness. So sometimes on my story, if I'm at the gym, I'll post a motivational uh, tip at the gym or things like that. So if fitness is one family is another one, of course, when it's like mother's day, I posted a picture of my mom and, uh, uh, my audience is well aware that, it's part of our why to retire her as soon as possible, and that was uh, we posted a reel on that that was about us retiring her because she's working really hard, and that was our by far our most viewed uh, piece of content. It got millions of views, um, and so that's one of it. We also provide a lot of real estate education, like when we're doing property tours, things like that. Um, sometimes we like to talk about economics and questions we have, and so we'll sit around and record that and then post that. So it's really just real estate, uh, fitness, family, and and real estate and and things like that. So we try to have different pillars and and categories of content so that it doesn't get repetitive and redundant. And it also provides like a holistic approach because no one's, no one's just one thing, you know, you're, you're human and it kind of helps the audience relate to you when you can provide some more of the human side of things rather than just focusing on like real estate.
0: Okay. So Kerwin, when you are posting content, what are, do you have like any kind of set guidelines, like gray area or lines or you know even controversial issues you guys won't cross when you're you know putting out content or things that are too guru-y so what are kind of like your core values per se that you have when you are putting out content
1: yeah well so in the multifamily space you know we try to avoid uh, breaking any sec guidelines so we don't advertise any deals or anything like that. We don't uh, pitch any deals or anything like that. We also try not to be too salesy. Um, we always try to make sure it's like some kind of value or there's a reason to be posting it. And we also try to not just post something, just to post something. Um, I do think it's important to be consistent, but at the same time, we try to take time to look at the content, make sure that somebody's gonna get something out of it. And you know, sometimes it doesn't do well, but that's okay as long as we had the right intention. But yeah, I do think it's important to make sure that you think of the audience first because it's about the other person on the other end of the content, not just, you know, what I want to post.
2: So, Kerwin, I know like a big challenge for a lot of people, not just real estate investors, but anybody that's trying to create content is like actually being consistent with it. And you know it's easier for us, you know, for me and Ashley on the podcast because there's like a whole team of Bigger Pockets that's like you know they're a well-oiled machine when it comes to making podcasts. But the average person doesn't have that that big team behind them. So when I when I started my own podcast, the your first real estate investment podcast, um, I made it a goal of having like a like a certain number of banked episodes before I went live. And I think I ended up recording like I don't know like 50 episodes or something like that before I ever even went live. Is there is there, I don't know, like, are you guys leveraging something like that too? Like just what, what kind of tips, resources do you have to be able to consistently push out such a high volume of content?
1: Yeah. So one thing I do is I make two pieces of content every day. Um, and they're short clips and it's typically repurposing something I've already recorded. So, um, I'll, I'll take that, that one piece and I'll post one of them. And then the other one I'll add to my vault of content. And it's, for me, it's this Google spreadsheet. You can use, There's different platforms and softwares you can use, but for us, it's just a Google spreadsheet. I'll put the the caption, the link to a Google Drive video, if it's a video or an image, and then I'll kind of write a, a description of it so I know what it is. And that way, I've built out a vault and every single day I'm adding to it. So if I'm at a conference and I can't get content that day, I know I at least have something in my vault that I can post from before. I also have we're always taking action and a lot of these people let's say you're a flipper or yeah Let's say you're a flipper. You are in the field. That's content right there Just literally take your phone out and record and explain what you're doing and typically those kind of uh, that content gets more Engagement from the audience anyway because they're able to see it a lot of these people are visual learners Especially on social media a lot of people want to learn and see what you're doing They don't want to just see you sitting at a table talking about it. So I think that is even better content honestly
0: and how are you choosing what content or what topics um do you have somebody that's feeding that to you are you going on youtube and looking up keywords how are you selecting what people are actually interested in learning about
1: yeah all of the above honestly we do keyword research um just like for example if you want to see what bigger pockets what kind of keywords you guys use that's great great insight as well but for us we also um, sometimes i'll ask my audience hey if you guys have any questions, what are your real estate questions? And a lot of times we get DMS from people asking real estate questions, like how to find a mentor, uh, what markets were you looking in? Things like that. We'll make videos about that. We also, you know, we address the question directly, but we also like to make a video because a lot of times it's the same questions that we're getting. And so things like that. And also just questions that we had starting out, um, and, and, and like things we wish somebody had taught us when we were first starting out, we share that with people.
2: You, you talked about putting out at least one post a day. So I want to get your opinion on this, Corwin. Like, is, is there too much uh, in terms of posting? Like for, for example, like for, for me and my social media profile, initially I was posting once a day um, and me and my team made the decision to switch to twice per day. And we've seen a lot of growth on social once we made that. And my wife was initially hesitant. She's like, oh, you don't <laughs> want to bug people and this, that and the other. But like it has had a, a positive impact on, on how we're growing. So, I mean, like, like what are your thoughts on that? Like, is it better to post like one yeah. amazing reel per week and just try and like push that a lot or is it better to post multiple times a day or what's the rhythm that you found has worked best for you guys?
1: Yeah, for us, daily is absolutely the way to go. Uh, we just want to be present every single day. And people, if if the person gets irritated or doesn't like the content that you're making then they, or they get annoyed, then they probably aren't a good follower for you anyway. So they should probably just unfollow you. And that just helps you because that way, you know, it's one less person and you can focus on the audience that you're actually serving. And like I said, if you are always delivering value, then your audience isn't going to get tired of your content because you're giving something to them and they get something from it.
2: Yeah, Corona, I think that's amazing advice, especially the piece where, if they're not the right person, they'll unfollow you. And I think so many people are afraid of losing followers or losing email subscribers or losing YouTube subscribers. And obviously, if you're bleeding those kind of people, maybe you need to change something up. But <laughs> if you're, it's natural to lose. Like, I lose a couple hundred followers every week, but I'm gaining, you know, a thousand or two, right? So there's always people kind of coming and going, but the ones that stick around are the ones you really want to build that relationship with.
0: What's that song? Beep beep, come and go. But I'm here to stay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we got that cute on your soundboard. That's board. me
0: on your Instagram, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: It's so funny. Like my, it's so funny. My uh, my in laws, my brother in law, my sister in law. They were telling me that before they when they wake up in the morning, before they see each other's Instagram posts, they see my face. <laughs> They're like, you're <laughs> the first face that we see every morning. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs>
0: so Kerwin, how are you managing all these platforms? I mean, remembering to post and you have like this vault of you know content ready to go are you using any kind of software to like uh, schedule posting or anything like that to, to manage it all
1: yeah we've used softwares in the past i can't remember the name of them because they just weren't very good Um, and they're not very efficient. Like some of them will automatically post it for you and they will post on Instagram, but not other platforms. So I use a Google spreadsheet right now and we're big believers of the book traction and and having that organizational uh, system. So every, every morning I'll tell them, Hey, we're releasing a YouTube video today on this. And um, I just have a a spreadsheet. I use Google spreadsheets for everything. So I'll just kind of include everything that needs to get done that day. It's like a to-do list and every single day I'll update it. And at night I'll update it right before uh, the evening, so the evening before the next day. So that way I know what's on, my, on my, my plate for the next day.
0: Okay. And then let's talk about like actually building an audience. Do you have any like tips or tricks that you can give out? Are, you, are there certain algorithms that you know of on different platforms or how else do you get a good following besides just putting out good content?
1: Yeah. Well, I will say one thing to not do is don't buy fake followers. Um, that can hurt you. And a lot of people do that. But I, I think you'd, I'd rather have 2000 loyal followers that actually like my content and engage with it than 100,000 people that don't comment and don't like and don't actually get anything from it, because that'll just hurt you. And um, it'll, it, it won't. People can tell, too. I can tell when somebody buys fake followers.
0: I, I, there is this one um, guru, I guess, that he had, I don't know, maybe like 20,000 followers. Then all of a sudden, like, next day or whatever, you had like 100,000, but it was like 12 likes on each post. It's easy to tell when people do, you know, buy Absolutely. followers. And it
1: just it takes away from your credibility. And I don't yeah. think you need to do that. Like I said, I'd rather have real followers that actually engage with my content. Um, mm-hmm. can, can you remind me what you said the initial question was?
0: Just what are tips and tricks that people can use to maybe beat the algorithm on <laughs> different places, but um, yeah, to get followers.
1: I follow a lot of uh, influencers because I'm, I'm always learning about you know how to develop my my community and things like that. And one thing that this guy always says is he uh, says, focus on the community and focus on uh, the specific person you're trying to reach. Instead of trying to speak to a room of 100 people, really focus on the one person that you want to reach. And the more narrow you get with your content. So let's say for us, it's uh, our, our listeners on our podcast, for example, they tend to be men in the United States that are under 35 years old. And a lot of the people that I've met online, uh, like, like in person, they tend to be from a Hispanic background. So- I, in my mind, I'm like framing my content for somebody like that, that that would fit that demographic and that role. But in reality, it's going to connect to a lot of people. The more you, the more you are kind of ground it into something specific and a, a particular avatar is what it's called, then it's kind of counter counterintuitive, but it actually ends up breeding a broader audience. So, I would say really focus on the, kind, the person you want to speak to, what's their job, how old are they, what's their economic, socioeconomic status, uh, what, are their, what are their fears, what are their desires, what do they want out of life, why are they listening to real estate, what are their problems, their biggest problems that your content will solve. And if you look, think of it from that perspective, then I think the content will kind of filter itself naturally and you can create really high value content.
0: Are you doing anything um, else to kind of like track how well, you know, content is doing? Like if you post a video, are you looking actually at like the analytics of it? And is that actually important to track to figure out what does well and what doesn't?
1: Yeah. So we do look at like the Instagram analytics and our anchor, uh, anchor is the the platform we use to upload our podcasts. We do listen to that just to see like the retention rate for our, the time, uh, what time people might tune out of our podcast or for our Instagram clips and things like that, what kind of content is getting more engagement. Um, and I just do use that, honestly, just for a personal note. That's one thing that we have been really focused on building content and really focused on, on just generating a bunch of content and building the vault that we haven't really focused on the system side of things. And that's something that, you know, we're honestly, we're working on now and I'm going to start building that out. But in general, these platforms tend, they typically do have kind of like analytics and you can go to the settings on Instagram and there's an analytics tab and you can kind of track what's working. But I would say to that, you can, you can get into a dangerous territory where you're trying to f- focus on the, the algorithm and what's going to go viral and things like that. And that's not what the intention should be. You should really be focusing on if, if the same people are commenting and engaging and you can tell you know, slowly it's growing. That's the right way to do it because you want organic
2: growth. All right. So Corona, you you dropped so much knowledge, man, but there's, there's an important part of marketing that I think a lot of people miss. And I want to get your, your insights on this, um, marketing. So I guess, is it safe to say that the, the, like the best result of your marketing efforts is someone investing in one of your syndications? Would that be like one of the ideal outcomes for you guys?
1: Yeah. So we, yeah, we, uh, just want to make the, that relationship start building that relationship but finding somebody who might want to do that that would be an ideal outcome for us yeah totally
2: yeah and, and not that it's your only goal right but that would be like an ideal outcome right is that someone someone finds your content they consume you guys build a relationship and then when you have a, a an amazing opportunity for them to invest in you can reach out to them they say yes because that relationship is there now we know that say that you know you said you've got like fifty thousand followers on tiktok we know that not all fifty thousand of those people are going to invest in your deal right if they did you be one of the best indicators on the planet right now, right? So there's like a certain number of people that, that, that kind of make their way through to actually get to that end result. So what I want to know is you've got these, you know, 50,000 people here on TikTok, however many people on on Instagram, all of your listeners on on your podcast, what steps are you taking to kind of move them through those different steps to get to that ideal end result?
1: Yeah. So um, something that I've heard people saying we believe in as well is uh, you don't own any if, either, if you're following on any one platform, you can lose your access to your YouTube at any point if YouTube deems you, un, un, you know, unworthy and they'll, they'll shut down your account. So you no longer have access mm-hmm. to that audience. That's why it's important to kind of own your own audience and, and move them off of those platforms onto like an email list is what we do. And so I have a lead magnet. It's uh, the five mistakes investors make. And that's in my bio. Sorry, for, before
2: we... Before we go too far, just define lead magnet for me. I think there's a lot of people that might not know what that term is.
1: Yeah, it's a, a form of, like for us, it's a playbook. And it's just anything that will, that will incentivize in exchange for an email, they get a free document or a free resource that, that, that you provide for them. And so for us, it's, it's a playbook. It's like a... a, a a magazine that we just walk them through some of the top mistakes people make in multifamily. And so in exchange for that, we give them that for free in their email inbox. They give us their email. And then after they get that initial email with the the, the playbook, the PDF, uh, we kind of explain who we are. We send a consecutive of four to five emails after that uh, in, in spread out per day. So it's one on this day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they get one for about five days. And that's just kind of walking them through who we are. And the end goal of that is to get them to book a call with us, because for us, we have to build a relationship with these people before they we can even talk about investing. And we want to make sure that, you know, we understand their financial goals and things like that. And the first step to that is just kind of get face to face time. And typically, we're not going to go out and meet them for coffee. If, if we can, that's great. But you can just hop on a Zoom call and do that.
0: So are you the are you taking the investor calls or you pass those on to one of your brothers?
1: Yeah. So Jeffrey is the investor relations uh, side of things. So that's just, I'm mainly the, the one kind of in doing the back behind the scenes and things like that in the marketing.
5: In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today.
0: Okay, so what are some lessons learned that you have um, just from building these platforms? If you were to go back and you were to start fresh, are there any things that you would have done differently?
1: Yeah, I would start with video content earlier. Uh, At first, we were doing mainly podcasting and short clips and pictures and things like that on Instagram, but we weren't doing video content and uh, kind of going along with the build a relationship with people and get them to know, like, and trust you. People want to see your face. And so giving them your face, talking to them on on camera, whether that's at a flip, a property tour, or just sitting at a table, Creating that content and, and showing them their, your face, they're going to A, recognize you in person, and you get that uh, that celebrity status. And Joe Fairless talks about that in his book, The Best Ever Apartment Syndication Book, where uh, you don't want to have like, I may, maybe you do want that widespread fame, but if you want, if you have industry fame, then that just gives you that credibility, and people will already kind of know you and trust you before they really even meet you in person. And so that for us has been a big game changer, and video content is, is, is really important.
0: So you want to be able to walk through an airport without your sunglasses on and, you know, a hood off. You know, you don't want to have to hide in an airport, but you want to walk into a real estate conference and know everybody. (laughs) Is that what you mean by uh, celebrity status in your industry?
1: Yes, yes, yes. That way, you know, people will because investing is really big on trust. And so people aren't going to invest with someone they don't trust. And especially, you know, coming from a young age, I think if we can do it, then I think that's proof anyone can do it because we're able to develop that trust with our audience. And it's even more important for us because we're young. I'm in my 20s. So people are going to automatically assume that I don't have the credibility. But if I'm producing content that kind of counters that, that that thought process, then,
2: you know, it works for me. Corinne, so, I mean, you've dropped so many, I think, golden nuggets on the ability to kind of build out your platform and and the the value that it's had on your business. And again, I, I don't want people to to miss the fact that you and your brothers are in your early 20s. You're already, you know, your, your GP is on over 600 units, which is just absolutely amazing at any age, but even more so, um, you know, in your early 20s. And obviously the platform you guys have been able to build um, has been a really big part of that. Ash and I talk all the time about the value of having a platform. So to bring a guest on who's you know living this out, I think is is super super valuable for for our listeners. So, um, Ash, before we we move on to to the rookie exam, anything else you want to pick Kerwin's brain on?
0: I don't think so, but I do want to kind of change up our rookie exam question since we had Kerwin on pretty recent. So for the first one, um, usually we do one actionable thing rookies should do after listening to this episode. But what is one actionable thing that rookies can do today and say they already have one platform started already? What is one thing that they should start doing today on their platform?
1: Yeah, I would say make two pieces of content, post one and store one in your vault and start start building your vault over time. And that way you'll be really happy you did that. Because in, let's say in, in 30 days from now, you'll have about 15 pieces of content that you can just rely on if you have to go on a trip or something comes up and you can't make content that day.
2: Awesome. So question number two, Cohen. So say that you say that you have to start over and you only got one platform to choose from. It could be a podcast, could be a YouTube channel, could be Instagram, TikTok. What's the one platform you would choose and why?
1: I would do YouTube because it's big on, uh it's a great way to create that content and have both the audio and the visual so people can see my face and the podcast. That's what we were doing, but we can create so many different kinds of content. And uh, YouTube is its own search engine, kind of like Google. So you can reach so many different people on YouTube. And I think that's where you can really have the most growth right now.
2: Yeah. Like, like that's what I love about YouTube is that it's searchable. So, you know, like on TikTok, you can, you can grow kind of fast, but like, I don't know, we post stuff about like, real estate investing and we mentioned uh, like Joshua Tree and then we get people that are, you know, all about the national park and this, that, and the other. Or we'll talk about, you know, we had a bad guest at our short-term rental because there was dog hair. And instead of real estate investors commenting, it's like everyone that loves their dog telling us how bad we are at, at being an Airbnb host. But on YouTube, someone's literally searching for how do I become a better host on short-term rentals? Or how do I manage my short-term rental from afar? So the quality in my mind of the audience on YouTube is exceptionally higher than some of the other social media platforms. So I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned that.
0: And on TikTok, if I've seen a TikTok, I'll never be able to find it again. Unless (laughs) I remember the name of the person, but you can never ever find it again.
1: (laughs) hundred percent. And Google is something that when people are using it, they're typically not going to be scrolling mindlessly, but on YouTube, Mm -hmm. they're going to be just scrolling. And so they're more likely to come across your content.
0: Yeah, that's such a great point. Okay, so the last question is, where do you plan on being in five years? But let's kind of change this a little bit. And how do you see social media um, kind of impacting entrepreneurs and uh, just business in general in five years?
1: Yeah, I think, it, I mean, influencers are proving it right now. It's becoming an industry and it's only growing. So I think the more following you have, the more, the more you can do. And, um, Grant Cardone, he talks a lot about being omnipresent on a lot of different platforms, but the power of that, it's not only for real estate, but I think it just opens a lot of doors for any entrepreneur, no matter what you want to do. And I think you can only help yourself by being on social media. And so I think in five years, it'll only become more powerful, only become more important. And right now it might be an option to be on social media, but I do think that the more social media becomes present in our daily lives, it will become more prevalent and even more important for every investor to do that.
2: Yeah, Corinne, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I think the importance of having a platform to any business is only going to continue to increase. And the number of like, you know, like our, like our handyman in, in Tennessee, right? Like he's he's like super old school dude, you know, doesn't have a Venmo, uh, wants to <laughs> mail checks out when we got to pay him. Like I think as that generation starts to retire from the workplace and you see more people of our generation and, and the following generations kind of taking the reins, like everyone's going to be looking like, okay, what, what is you know, what do you look like on social media, right? Like, what's your Yelp reviews look like? So that that digital presence, I think, is going to become more and more important. So glad we had you on here, man. So as we wrap things up, Corinne, I want to just highlight today's rookie rock star. Uh, so if you want to get highlighted as a rookie rock star, get active in the real estate rookie Facebook group, um, or you can slide in my DMs or in Ashley's DMs. I'm at Tony J Robinson. She's at Walton Rentals, and sometimes we'll pick folks from there. But today's rookie Rockstar uh, comes from the Facebook group, and it's. Ian Wilson, and he flipped a property for a $66,000 profit. Uh, So just really quickly, it took a total of eight months to get this deal done. Um, It became a nightmare because the property had bad tenants who weren't paying, uh, but they wouldn't leave without being evicted. Um and then he suggested he suggested to his partner um that they get kind of creative with how they put the deal together. But anyway, it took two months, but they were finally able to get those tenants out. And um with that, they were able to flip the property for a sixty-six thousand dollar profit. So Ian, congratulations to you. Um I never buy properties that have tenants in them because I don't want to deal with that. Um uh, so I'm happy you're able to f- figure out a solution there, man.
0: Ian, that's awesome. Um, Congratulations. I don't think we've had too many uh, people come on the the podcast and actually talk about flipping mobile homes before. So uh, congratulations. Well, Kerwin, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Can you tell everyone where they can reach out to you and find out some more information about you?
1: Yeah, we're at Donis Brothers, D-O-N-I-S Brothers on every social media platform. And you can also check out our YouTube channel, same at, and uh, The Real Estate Monopoly is our podcast. And uh, we also have a playbook that we give out to people for free. It's www.donisinvestmentgroup.com backslash playbook.
0: Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us this week. Kerwin, it was great to uh, have you back and doing this special series with you and your brothers. If you guys love the podcast, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform um, and let us know when you leave the review, what's some value you have taken uh, from the podcast that has helped you get started in real estate investing or even just take action towards getting that first or next deal. We'd love to hear about it. You guys, I'm Ashley at Wealth From Rentals. He's Tony at Tony J. Robinson on Instagram, and we will be back on Saturday with a rookie reply.